just gets gooder and gooder. <laughs> and uh, wow, I want to tell you guys, this has nothing to do with the, with the teaching tonight, but um, um, I'm working uh, now at the Women's Center, and I want to share something with you that happened there today. We had, um, and well, we don't see very men come, many men come there, but um, today this young man came in, and he um, he approached three different people, and he said, "I'm trying to find my mother. I know she's on the street. I know she's homeless. I know she's been just kind of living out there, and we we've just lost contact, and I haven't been able to find her." And I don't know where he came from, but it was, it was not Raleigh. He had come from another town. And he said, you know, he'd been to the various shelters. He'd been to places where he thought she might be. And he said, I can't find my mother. And I don't know if she's living or dead. I, I just want to find my mother. And he said her name. And someone recognized this woman's name. And they went through the building to look for her. Well, she was there. And... She came to the lobby where he was, and as she approached him, he went, Mama! And he jumped up, and he grabbed her, and they just embraced each other. He started crying. He said, Mama, I didn't know if you were dead or alive. You know, he was just so grateful to find his mom. And those of us who were around him, I think we all teared up, you know. And I realized that that's why I do what I do. You know, that was a paycheck today, you know. It was worth you know, all the reward. You know, he found his mom, and um, there were some a couple other family members in the car. They didn't come in the building, but they were in the car. And um, she left with her son and family, and she's going to probably be with them for Christmas. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, he came back in, you know, and he, he said to the director, he said, I just want to hug you, because he grabbed the director, and he hugged her, and he said, I just want to hug you one more time. And he said, I just want to say thank you for what you guys do. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, we just, I mean, I'm, I'm so aware of how, you know, we don't know the impact or the effects that a word, an act of kindness, you know, just spending time with someone, what it can mean. You know, it could be life-changing, you know. So um, this season, this Christmas season, for some reason, um, the Lord has had me really focusing on, you know, who Jesus is. And I did a teaching in, um, in healing rooms, you know, people who found Jesus, you know, in the Bible a couple weeks ago. And tonight I just want to talk about um, Christ um, in the volume of the book. And it came from the scripture in, um, in Hebrews 10, 4 and 7. I think we have that so you can read it along with me. It says, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, and that's talking about Jesus, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Amen. 
So that's what we're focusing on tonight. Um, I want to share with you, because I'm going to talk a little bit about Old, Old Testament and New Testament and revelations concerning Jesus. And just, this is just something that um, uh, came to me recently, but when about, remember the story in the Bible about Joseph and how he was treated by his brothers and, you know, he, then he went to um, the Pharaoh's house, he was put in charge of everything, then he was lied on by um, the Pharaoh's wife and he went to prison. And when he went to prison, the guard of the prison put him over all the prisoners. Well, as I'm understanding this a little bit more, not only was he in charge of them, but he was responsible for them, whether they did what they were supposed to do or not. And you know, we've heard before that there's a parallel between Joseph and Jesus. Jesus is responsible for us whether we do right or wrong. He loves us so much. So in his case, if the prisoners in the prison didn't do what they were supposed to do, he was held responsible for that. If they did what they were supposed to do, he was held responsible for that. Jesus is that way with us. And it says, you know, he, he, he did his job so well that he was elevated again, right? And Jesus has been elevated as son, savior, redeemer, the atonement for our sins. He's our peace, our love. I mean, he's become everything to us. And then another one is when uh, Abraham sent his servant to get a husband, I mean, to get a wife for his son, Isaac. I've read different things about that. And I even read a, a, a version in the Torah which doesn't agree with how we understand that story in the Bible. But how I understand that story in the Bible is that the servant, Eleazar, became an agent for the father to go get his son a bride. Who is that for us today? Holy Spirit. You know, and there's so many, you know, I know we don't live in the Old Testament but we can learn from the Old Testament. And what I'm finding as I do that, as I search, I see Jesus in all those parallels and stories he's spoken of. He is in the volume of the book. So this is the greatest Christmas passage in scripture. Jesus is speaking and it reads in verse five, therefore, when he came into the world, this is when he came. This is when Jesus came to the manger. Um, this is when he became a human being. He had been to earth many times before. He came as the angel of the Lord, as the rock, as the cloud that overshadowed the children of Israel. He was the burning bush that spoke to Moses. He came in so many ways but he always came for a time and a moment, and then he left. But now he comes in the form of a human being, a baby, and he remains. He doesn't have to 
come and go anymore. He came and he stays. He remains forever. Once he took on a human body. He came to fulfill the Old Testament. And the scripture tells us he came to fulfill every bit of it. Every jot and every tittle. And that means the little T's, the little, what's that, um, what do you call that little thing, that little thing, that, like if you want to make it a it's, you know, you say it and then you do it, the, the apostrophe, um, <laughs> um, that, the little dot over the eye. He came to fulfill everything on the cross. And he then said, it's finished. Okay? He was not referring to the plan of salvation. He was referring to the fact that the Old Testament and the Old Covenant was completely over. And the New Testament had started. And we're in the New Testament. When Jesus said, sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me, he was speaking to the Father. This occurred when he came into the world in the manger. He was talking from his deity on the inside of him. His deity didn't have to grow up. It never had a beginning. He spoke from his deity to the Father and said, you have prepared for me a body. This body was how, this body was how he was coming to redeem us. Notice it said, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have no pleasure. Then he said, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. He's telling us that he came to fulfill every part of the Old Testament. Jesus came into this world to accomplish the Father's will. He came to bear our sins. He came to die for sins of many. He did this by going to the cross, but also in fulfilling every sacrifice, every law, every feast day, every first day, the smallest one of the great of the smallest one to the greatest one. By the time Jesus went to the cross, even the sacrificial laws were accomplished just before he died physically. And that's why he said, it's finished. And sometimes I think we think of it, it's finished and it's just for salvation, but it's not. He completed the law. Today, we live in a fulfilled time of the Old Testament. We know that Jesus did not destroy the law, but put it away. He said in um, Matthew 5, 17, we can put that up. Do not think that I came to destroy the, destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Okay. The purpose of the law was to instruct people of Jesus Christ. Even Paul says this in the book of Galatians, that the purpose of the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Every part of the law taught us about Jesus Christ. You know, there are many people today who are Gentiles who profess to be Jews, and they live by the law. They live by the, um, the feast and the, the set days, but they don't have to do that because Jesus fulfilled those already. Um, 
every part of the law taught about Jesus, whether it was the sacrificial law, the hygiene laws, the laws of sacrifice, every part of the law spoke of Jesus Christ. From the smallest to the greatest, Jesus came and fulfilled them all. The law pointed to the coming of Jesus, and when he came, he put it away. The law is still here today because he said he didn't, he didn't destroy it, but he came to fulfill it. We can see, we can still see Jesus in it, but we're not under that dispensation, in other word, words. We can study the law, but we don't have to observe it. Now, in the, one, of, one of the things I think of about that, if, if we were still under the law and we brought live sacrifices to church, and we, you know, Pastor Kim, Pastor Tim, Pastor Tim, myself, I mean, we had to kill those sacrifices and offer up the blood. I don't think we would want to do that, you know? But some people get so, <laughs> I mean, I think about that because, and, and I think about in the Old Testament, um, I don't know which book it is, um, but it's like in the Numbers, in Leviticus, um, where, I mean, the sacrifices and the offerings were numerous. Every time you did something, you had to offer a sacrifice. You know, how many times have you done something today? How many cows and goats and sheep would you need to bring? You know, <laughs> we wouldn't want to do that today. Jesus, I mean, you know, I'm saying that I'm being funny, but really Jesus has fulfilled the law. We don't have to do that. You know, thank you, Jesus. Yes, ma'am. What if you couldn't? Well, they say you can use pigeons and birds. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure some man would figure out how to sell you one. You know, I mean, because because man is so creative. Right. Um, but we don't have to do that. It, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be a, a little funny with that, but it's ridiculous. We don't have to do that anymore. Jesus has fulfilled the law for us. Um, Jesus coming had been prophesied, prophesied many times in the Old Testament. His birth was prophesied, his life and ministry, his death, his ascension, and his seating at the right hand of the Father. Psalms 110.1, do we have that one? The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. When Adam and Eve sinned, God prophesied that through the virgin, virgin birth of Jesus Christ, he would turn around the whole mess. So God has always had a plan. He still does. And we are part of that plan. I was reading something recently by um, Dr. Well, he, the late Dr. Miles Monroe that I thought was really profound. He said, you know, no child is an accident. I don't care how that child was conceived, how that child came into the world, because God allowed that child to be born. God has a plan and a purpose, you know? And so, you know, when, when children are born and they, you know, but, but imagine you're a child, you're born, and I know from my own experience, I was born out, out my mother was not married when she had me. And, um, so that you carry the stigma, you know? Um, and um, even though I was 
sheltered and raised by an aunt and uncle who loved me, there was still this sort of like, but Lord, you know, who am I? Because I never knew my biological father. And so you, you have thoughts, you, you know, things try to mess you up. And so, but God, he had a purpose for me being born. And I think I've shared this with you. A decision was made when I was conceived to abort me. You know, they, they had taken my mother, family members had taken my biological mother to the hospital for an abortion. And this was many years ago um, <laughs> uh, when abortion wasn't like it is today, you know, where people don't even think about it. They just go, oh, I'll have an abortion. And my biological mom, who had probably some mental health issues, um, she had uh, a history of epilepsy, and back then it wasn't understood, so she was treated like she was retarded, I guess. She talked the nurse, she talked to the nurse, and the nurse talked to the doctor and said, there's nothing wrong with this woman that she can't have this child. And so thus I was born. God had a purpose. And I'm grateful today, you know, about maybe, maybe two months, six weeks ago now, we were here in worship. Praise team was singing a song. And I don't remember the name of the song, but in the word, in the, one of the lines in the word, it says, the hour, uh, the hour you first believed. Um, and I'm standing over there and I'm praising the Lord and I'm singing that song and I get to that part and it resounds on the inside of me. And God said to me, you were mine the hour you first believed. You know? So for me, that was when I was seven years old and I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I said, Lord, you, you've, I've been yours. Because you mean like, you know, you get, you, when you're young and you get born again, but you don't walk always like you're born again because you don't know. You walk in ignorance and sometimes you walk in, you walk in transgressions, not necessarily sin, but you do things that you don't know that are wrong and the Holy Spirit has to convict you that they're wrong and that they are offensive to God. So it would make me question, did I really, really belong to him? But at that, I mean, I think I've known that, but at that moment in that song in that time, he let me know I've been with you since you believed. And I don't know if that's for somebody tonight, but God, the, the hour, the moment, the second, you said, Lord, I believe he's been with you. And it doesn't matter how you acted. It doesn't matter how you thought. You belong to him. Amen. Okay. I don't know why I shared that, but I did. Maybe it's for somebody. Um, when Adam and Eve sinned, God prophesied that through the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, he would turn around the whole mess. And he said in Genesis 3.15, <clears throat> you can put that up. Genesis. Do we have Genesis 3.15? I may have written the wrong scripture for, for her for that. I'll read it. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So God said to Satan at that very moment, 
I will put enmity or division between you. That is, Satan and the woman. Adam and Eve had affected all mankind around them, all of nature. But God said he was going to protect one thing, the womb of the woman. And this is a statement from Bob Yandian. He says, the sin nature, the curse, is passed down through the father into the children. The woman herself does not pass it down. She possesses the sin nature. She possesses the curse put on this earth. But she did not have it herself. It was passed down to her by her father, not her mother. Therefore, if it was possible for a woman to conceive without a natural man, then the child could be born outside of the curse. We know from the verses um, about um, Adam and Eve, uh, about, excuse me, we know from this verse that God knew from the time of Adam and Eve that Mary would be the one to carry the Messiah. Now, I don't know if that challenges your religious doctrine. That's not my doctrine. This is what Bob Yandian said, that the curse cannot pass through the mother. It comes through the father. We know that, um, we know from this verse that God knew from the time of Adam and Eve that Mary would be the one to carry the Messiah. It was not because she was special or that she was more holy. And I want to say this, echo this. It's not because we're special or more holy. She was just chosen by God. We've been chosen. We are a royal priesthood. God chose us. <laughs> Therefore, as a virgin, she conceived by the Holy Spirit. And, of course, we know that from the New Testament. Jesus was born in this earth for a particular reason, and that is to destroy Satan and to destroy his works. He came to destroy sin. He came to destroy physical and mental, mental sickness. He came to destroy poverty and sin's control over us. He came to keep us from hell and the lake of fire. All these things Jesus came to do for anyone that would put their faith and trust in him. Let's talk a little bit about Abraham's seed. He says in Genesis 22:13, do we have that one? Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there beheld behind him, excuse me, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Um, I have a different scripture for that. Maybe I, I may have written it down wrong, but I'm going to read this too. It says, in your seed, he tells Abraham, in your seed all nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. There are two seeds, <clears throat> there are two seeds that came from Abraham. One was a natural race of Israel. The other was a spiritual race of mankind that covers every nation, tribe, and tongue. Every male, female, young and old, 
who puts their faith and trust in Jesus. And we, we, are, we are sons of Abraham, right? Because we put our faith and trust in Jesus. <clears throat> Israel was chosen by God to be the custodian. I, I love this. Israel was chosen by God to be the custodian of the word of God and of the gospel. The New Testament is not when the great commission kicked off. This, this again comes from Bob Yandian. It was kicked off with Israel. In the Old Testament, Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of them that bring glad tidings. That's the good news. That's the gospel. He says that Israel was supposed to spread the gospel, not take the law to the world. The law was given only one nation to teach them about the message of salvation. The message of salvation is that man is a sinner and needs a savior. The savior is Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. They were to take that information to the world and present it in a very short form. You need to accept the savior by faith. And that faith in him will save you. That's the same message that we need to spread today, right? It's not like you got to stop doing this, you don't do this. We just tell them about the saving grace of the Savior. And, you know, as we do that, people come in. Think about yourself. You didn't change overnight. You didn't do everything right. But as you heard the word, as you were taught, Holy Spirit began to teach you. He began to show you maybe errors in your life or things that needed to be changed, and they began to change. I can remember things that just all of a sudden they just weren't there anymore. I don't know when they left, but the desires, they just weren't there anymore. Holy Spirit just took them away. We can see an example of this in the Old Testament when Jonah, when he went to Nineveh, and you know, I shared a message not too long ago and included Jonah in it. He didn't preach the law. He didn't walk up and down the street saying all men needed to be circumcised. He didn't tell them not to eat pork or shellfish. His message, his only message, the only message that he preached to Nineveh was what? Repent. Repent. And everybody did from the king on down to the peasant in the street without knowing the law. They found their savior. So if we love them, we tell them Jesus loves them, and they need to be saved, they'll find the love of the savior. By the time Jesus came to the earth, the Jews had perverted the gospel. They were taking the law to the world, not the gospel. What are we taking to the world? Jesus told them that they were making proselytes not converts. What's happening to the body of Christ today? Are we bringing people in and making them just like us? Are we making them like Jesus? A proselyte is a Gentile not now living like a Jew. In other words, we don't care if you're saved or not. We're just going to turn you into a denominational person. That's not us at River of Life, right? We want them to be Christian. We want them to love the Lord Jesus. We want them to be discipled. We want them to leave here with their hearts burning and tell other people about Jesus. And, you know, that's what's going to grow us. 
that's going to give people a hunger and a thirst. When we preach Jesus, Jesus only, and then we go out and tell others and they come and they listen and they learn and they get discipled and they go out and do the same thing, you know? I've shared with you, um, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I was like a crazy woman. I mean, I told everybody that would listen about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I even went back to my old church and tried to get people in the church saved. I mean, they, they probably, the only reason they probably didn't put me out is because of my parents. But <laughs> they, they could have because I was, I was so, you know, once you've had that experience, it's even like when, 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 you've been, when you've been healed and somebody tries to tell you that healing isn't real, they can't convince you. When you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and somebody tries to tell you, no, that, that's not real. That didn't happen to you. You know, that, that, then something's wrong with that. They can't convince you because you've had that experience, right? When God's blessed you financially, I mean, when people say, you know, when you're down to your last dime, God steps in on time. And I know that's just a saying, but I've had experiences in my life where God did that, where all of a sudden it's abundance. And I didn't do anything to make it happen except God. Nobody can convince you that God didn't do that. And so you're going to tell somebody, right? <clears throat> All right. Um, it says here, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. That's Matthew 23, 15. I'm not making that up. He was simply saying that law-keeping and becoming a Jew will not save you. <laughs> there is no particular nation that has an end with God. When it comes to salvation, God chose Israel first to spread the gospel. But today, he's using the church. Israel did have and end with God when it came to the natural race, because through that nation, through Abraham and David, the Messiah was going to come. And I think Israel still has a special end with God. He's not finished with them yet. After the church is gone, he will again go back to using Israel. Jesus is going to come back to rule and reign from the temple in Jerusalem. He will reign there throughout the entire millennial reign. Since its creation, Israel has always had a great future with God. Presently, they are on hold as God is using the church. But they will be used again when the church is taken out of here. In Abraham, we have such an extensive, in-depth vision of how a person is saved. Abraham had faith in the Lord, and his faith was accounted to him as righteousness. This comes back to the simplicity of our relationship with God. It has always been this way, whether it's from the Old Testament looking forward to the time it would be fulfilled, or as the New Testament looking back on the time that it was fulfilled for us. Yandian says, the cross became the dividing line for all humanity for time and everything else. Today we have um, the AD and the BC before Christ. On the cross, Jesus Christ is the dividing line. This is something interesting that he says. He says, two hands were stretched out. 
in each direction. He says, I like to think one was pointing toward the Old Testament believers and one was pointing to all the New Testament, Testament believers. Jesus Christ literally fulfilled the whole thing. Mankind saved on credit in the Old Testament and it just keeps rolling until Jesus went to the cross. On that day, Jesus picked up the entire tab. We can't even pay a tip. Jesus paid it all. The redemption he paid for went to the Old Testament and to the New Testament so that anyone could put anyone who could anyone could put their faith in Jesus Christ. All we have to do is put our faith and trust in him. He is always the means of salvation. The law was never given to save us. The law taught them that they were sinners and needed a savior. He would be the eternal sacrifice. Once he came, Old Testament sacrifices no longer had to be offered again. Law keeping was never a part of it. It was always given to teach people about the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're talking to someone who is under the law, you can tell them that's that was to teach you about Jesus. But Jesus has come. So learn of him. He came to redeem fallen mankind. Jesus was born sin free. He lived sin free. He died sin free to redeem sinful mankind. He was just dying for the unjust. Amen. And just know, and I know we all know this, but he is in the entire volume of the book from Genesis to Revelations. Amen. And, and we're just celebrating his beginning, how he, how he came as a human being. And I love it because he said he, 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 was, he came to the earth in many forms before, but he left, but he has come and he remains. Amen. God bless you. Well, yes, <laughs> you all can come on up. We'll get ready to close. Let's pray together.